Hi, I'm Amanda and welcome to Self. On this podcast, I share ideas, experiences and have conversations to explore the self. By developing our own self-awareness, we can better show up for ourselves and those around us and hopefully all live happier and healthier lives. On today's episode, I'm going to be sharing a bit about my journey through healing, my search for healing outside of myself, what that looked like, and how I have come to where I am today. This word healing is definitely a bit more of a buzzword these days. I hear it a lot, perhaps because my Instagram feed is generally filled with a lot of psychology and trauma-based stuff, but I know that we hear it in self-development, in any kind of self-work, self-healing spaces, even, of course, on this podcast, I've used the word healing a lot. Specifically for this episode, when I speak about healing, I'm talking about in the context of trauma and the way that it's been stored in my body. And as I said at the start of the episode, I wanted to talk about how for so much of my life I searched for healing and what I thought healing meant for me and how I searched for it outside of myself. And all of this, of course, is in hindsight. At the time that I was on my quest for healing, I wasn't exactly conscious or fully aware that that's what I was doing. And this has come to light for me recently because of the yoga teacher training I did at the start of September. And it was titled Embodied Trauma Integration, run by several facilitators, essentially about trauma to better inform the participants there about trauma, how it's stored in the body, the the way it impacts our nervous systems, how to better hold a safe space and a container for people, knowing that essentially all of us have trauma stored within us in some way, shape or form. Now, I've heard a lot of people say to me in the past, you know, well, I don't have any trauma. It's not like I was abused or whatever. We often associate trauma to a specific action, something that has to warrant a significant reaction in us. You know, we measure it as almost this grading scale that something big needed to happen in order for trauma to occur. And there are several great authors on trauma, um, Dr. Peter Levine and Gabo Mate. And in this newer work when it comes to trauma, what we now understand is that trauma is not what happened, it's how our body remembers it. I I believe that that's Peter Levine that said that. And something that he says in one of his books, and I'm going to read this to make sure I don't um, botch it. So this is from Dr. Peter Levine. He says, 
I've come to the conclusion that human beings are born with an innate capacity to triumph over trauma. I believe not only that trauma is curable, but that the healing process can be a catalyst for profound awakening, a portal opening to emotional and genuine spiritual transformation. I have little doubt that as individuals, families, communities, and even nations, we have the capacity to learn how to heal and prevent much of the damage done by trauma. In so doing, we will significantly increase our ability to achieve both our individual and collective dreams. And that part there that really stands out for me is the fact that we have a capacity to learn how to heal and prevent much of the damage done by trauma. Meaning the damage that trauma leaves within our bodies, the imprint it leaves on our nervous system and therefore affects the way that we react and the way that we exist in the world. If we rewind this and look at how I searched for healing for most of my life, we go right back to childhood. When I was about nine years old, there's a lot of like core memories around this age, but I had a diary and I remember writing in that diary, hoping that a family would adopt me. I did not like being at home, clearly. So I wished and wrote about a white family. And I imagine that I picked a white family because it meant that perhaps in my little mind, what made sense to me is what's happening at home happens because we're Vietnamese. So maybe if a white family comes and perhaps all the movies I watched, the white families looked really happy. This white family with a dog came that they would rescue me. And that, I would say, was the start of my understanding that healing meant no more pain. And all I wanted was that pain to end. Through that period as well. Oh, and and, and I just want to quickly say that while I wished that, I also immediately felt guilty for wishing that I would be adopted because that would mean leaving my siblings behind. So I remember feeling this conflict of I want to be adopted out, but at the same time, I don't want to abandon my siblings. So around that same time, I connected a lot deeply and emotionally with music. And there was this sense of catharsis, I think, in singing out a lot of how I felt. I remember listening to a lot of like sad breakup songs. I think it was just an opportunity for me to allow to feel sad and I would feel a sense of relief. And in today's new age um, circles, I don't want to say yoga circles specifically, but in a lot of places there is a lot of emphasis on this release, this cathartic type of release where you go and you just scream it out and you release externally. And I suppose to some degree that's what I was doing with music. 
And even if it felt momentarily relieving or it felt like some weight had been lifted off me, ultimately that deep pit of sadness and pain still existed in me. So I then turned to books. And this isn't necessarily in this specific order, but kind of around the same time-ish. And I looked to books and I read, I went through a phase of reading really sad autobiographies where children were mistreated and eventually came out of that, became adults and lived a great life. Obviously, they survived their trauma, their abusive childhoods, whatever it was. And what I searched for, I think, in those books and what I connected with was a hope that things could be better and they would be better and also a sense of relief knowing that perhaps my life was better than, you know, this other really tragic experience so it's not that bad. I think what I was trying to offer myself there was perspective and scope. So it was almost like if I read about someone who's got it way worse than me, then maybe, just maybe, that understanding alone might make things feel better for me. So what healing I was looking for in that moment was, I guess, rationalizing this rationalizing my childhood in a way that made sense so that perhaps the pain wouldn't wouldn't be so significant. And after that through I I entered high school and I searched for healing in belonging, in fitting in at school, in friendship. And I would then do things that were really misaligned with the core of who I am. I didn't like wagging school, for instance, because school was actually one of my favorite places because it was it felt like a safer place to be and it meant that I didn't have to be at home. So I really liked being at school and I didn't really like getting into trouble because getting into trouble always came with punishments. So I obviously didn't like that. But my friends at my first high school wagged school a fair bit. And so I thought, you know, well, I want to be cool. So I better go and do that too. Then they took a bottle of beer from their parents once and drank it and they gave it to me. And I was like, yep, cool. I remember taking a drink and being like, this is so gross. And saying, oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. And I was doing these things to fit in because perhaps that feeling of belonging, of being included within a community, within a group of people would overpower the other deep, dark, grey thing that was inside me. And I got pulled out of that school, went to a different school, made some really great new friends who are good humans and I'm still best friends with now. But up to that point, I still was walking around with all of this confusion in me, with all of this that sat in there 
and outwardly perhaps people may or may not have known. So then I turned to church and that wasn't intentional. My family started going to church, so I went along as well. And this is where I really actively then was asking for, begging for, pleading for healing. There's a passage in the Bible that talks about, you know, come to me, all of you who are like tired and weary. And I was like, oh, that is me. That's me. And I would respond to these altar calls when they call you to come up to the front and I'd be prayed over. And I thought I am going to devote and give all of myself to the God of the universe who can promise and can heal me and has promised to take away all of this, to really lift this burden up. And when I look back, what I was searching for was an end to the pain, right? I wanted all of that to stop. I wanted to stop feeling the deep sadness that I'd felt and carried around with me all of my life. And I wanted someone to take that away. And all of the promises I was receiving, I either promises I had made up for myself, you know, in, in searching for this through my books and through music and through friendships, or the promises perhaps that came from my church. What it promised me was that all of these burdens could be lifted. I wanted to feel this lightness that I was told about. And so I thought that if I could, you know, believe enough, if I could serve enough, if I could be a good enough Christian, then maybe that would happen. And again, this is in hindsight. I don't think at the time that's actively what I was doing, but I can see that younger teenage version of me hurting and just wanting that to stop and clinging on to the promise of healing from this great God of the universe and of the world. And yet it didn't. It didn't stop. And I heard about stories of healing, you know, of like physical healing, of people who couldn't walk, being able to walk again, of people who couldn't see, being able to see again. And yet I had this invisible injury that existed inside of me and yet God wouldn't heal it. And that was painful in itself, accepting that and perhaps internalizing that and taking that on as if I had done something wrong to not deserve healing. And so I kept looking for healing in relationships with men and looking for, you know, love to fill the void, love to feel, to fill the gaps of love I didn't receive at home. And again, <laughs> I sat with that the pain continued to exist. And another a way that I 
searched for healing was to prove myself to the world. It was in being the best at stuff. It was in achieving something, perhaps to prove my worth, to receive validation, to then go, well, will this make it all better? And none of it did. For the past 11 years, I have been on this journey and worked through different modes of therapy and through different stages of my life, worked a lot with my nervous system. It first, the idea of of understanding the autonomic nervous system and regulating myself was first a thing for me 11 years ago when I went to therapy for the first time. And I went because if you've listened to a past episode, you already know this because of the way I was behaving in my relationship and in conflict, not being able to manage that and switching from anger to rage really quickly. And what was happening there was trauma that had been stored in my body. My body was remembering and picking up on conflict and reacting the only way that it knew how to go into a sympathetic state and my fight energy was coming out. And so my therapist introduced me to some self-regulation tools. And it was in that moment and the following six months after that that I started to recognise signs within my body signs that my nervous system was switching, was getting activated immediately and switching into a sympathetic state. And then utilizing these tools that I'd been taught to downregulate my nervous system. And that was a big game changer for me. Being able to regulate myself meant that I could bring myself back into the present moment and bring my awareness back to the fact that even though this thing might feel familiar from childhood and my brain wants to protect itself by switching in to this fight mode because when I was young I couldn't fight for myself or advocate for myself, rather than getting sucked into that was I suddenly had agency when I could calm my nervous system back down and then decide and respond accordingly. I have since then in the past 11 years done so much work with my body generally. And you may have heard or not that a lot of emotions, we store our emotions in our body. The body has its unique memory, these imprints that get left on us. When we talk about trauma, it's how the body remembers it. And then the brain recognizes that. And that's why we get what I'm sure you've heard of it. I'm sure you've experienced it triggered, right? Someone says something, someone does something, and immediately we feel triggered. And our nervous system gets activated and and it's something familiar that's happened in the past and it's pulling us right back into that moment. So what I've learned since then, what I've learned in my long journey of searching for healing 
is that the capacity for healing always existed inside of me from the get-go. I had the power and, and have done the work to heal myself. The power existed within me that no one else externally can come and heal any of that. There's no magic wand that we can just wipe over as much as you like to do the work, that the body actually knows how to navigate its way and it's just a matter of listening to that. And that's what I started doing. I started listening to my body, listening to when my nervous system was activated, getting curious with what was going on for me and then being the person to utilise tools to downregulate myself again gave me that sense of power back as well. When I think about healing, something that comes to mind for me is a, is a physical wound. I have had several scooter accidents in Asia. I think one in a couple in Thailand and a couple in Bali. My most recent one was a couple of years ago. So it was around a right hand corner, too. I slid out on some gravel and cut out my knee and my leg was bleeding. And it took time to heal um, that wound. So there were two things that happened that day, though. There was the physical wound. And then there was actually a bit of trauma in my body. So there was the unseen wound. For the physical wound, my friend who is a medic looked at it and she cleaned it up for me. She said I didn't need stitches. I just had to make sure that it was covered up and it would heal. Our body has this wisdom in healing on its own. And sometimes we might need to help it by cleaning out the environment, by sterilizing it, putting a bandage on top. But it healed. I didn't have to do anything else. I didn't have to force any healing on it. I didn't have to um, beg anyone else to heal it. I didn't need someone to pray over my knee for it to heal. My body knew how to do it and it did it itself. What I needed to give it, though, was a safe and clean and sterile environment to do its thing naturally. And, you know, maybe for some wounds you also need to take antibiotics along the way and there's stuff that we can add to assist the healing. But I learned that day that my body really knows how to do it. And what I recognised there is that similarly when it comes to healing other wounds that over time the wound itself as it heals is going to feel a bit different. As my knee was healing, there were times when I like accidentally hit it into the corner of the bed and it really hurt. And similarly, when there's a traumatic experience that's starting to heal in its early stages, there are ouch moments when people say things or do things or whatever that might trigger it. And 
then as my knee started to heal completely, I felt less. And now it's gotten to a point where there's a scar there. There's a reminder, a physical reminder that this event happened. But if I touch it, if I poke it, I don't feel anything anymore. And in the same way, there have been significant events in my life where I, for a long time, was really sensitive to that area being poked and potted. My emotional wound, my my little trauma wound that came from um, this fall, I just want to quickly say, was that I started being really afraid of right-hand turns. So there was work to be done there to go through a right-hand turn and to create a sense of safety again in that environment because I still ride scooters to make sure that I gave my body the time it needed to go, hey, I'm actually safe doing this. And that wasn't like any significant trauma, you know, big T trauma or anything, but I I noticed that. And what I wanted to say is quite similarly with this physical scar and wound that I have, that there are things that happen that leave a wound inside of us. And The healing outside isn't what ultimately heals and does away with that. I don't believe that we can ever necessarily be restored to a point as if that didn't happen. And I don't think that there's necessarily good that can come from that either. Much like the scar that's on my leg, it's a reminder that this thing happened and I survived it and my body healed. And similarly, there are things now where I used to be super triggered by that no longer trigger me. There was a time when I couldn't talk about my childhood. I didn't even speak about it at all. And whenever I did, it was me reliving my trauma. I would feel everything again. My nervous system would re-experience all of Um, the overwhelming sensations that I felt as a kid. And that's not the case anymore. And that's been through a course of listening, acknowledging, recognizing stuff that shows up in my body. And rather than ignoring it, it's just listening, getting curious with it. And then learning the tools to manage learning the tools to self-regulate. And that in itself has been one of the the major stepping stones in my healing journey. And all of that is naturally within the body. I had this recognition about halfway through the yoga teacher training that all of the work that I've done to heal myself has been my work, that for so long I looked for it outside at everything else, just trying to release all of this through the request of having someone else take it away from me. I wanted it taken away from me when really what it was that I needed was just to listen. 
And like I said, I had this moment of recognition that, wow, for so much of my life, I'd just searched outside. And what I'm really grateful for is that along the way, what I've been guided constantly back to is back to the power that I have, to the wisdom of my body, to heal itself, to, for me to listen and to respond. And through that, what it has meant is over time, my nervous system doesn't live in this constant state of fight or flight that I am, I'm not going to say never, but nowhere near as triggered as I used to be. And there are some things that still come up from time to time. And I listen to what goes on for my body. So my encouragement here for you is if you have also been someone who has searched for healing outside of you, I want you to know that I hear you and I understand what that's like and how demoralizing it can feel sometimes, how lonely it can feel to be in search, to ask, to beg, to plead for, to be promised healing and to not receive the relief that you seek for. And I want to let you know that you are capable, we are all capable of genuinely healing ourselves, meaning we are capable of listening to the wisdom that's in our body and to learning the tools to regulate our nervous systems, to bring it back into a safe state, into its parasympathetic state. And in doing that, perhaps then we can exist in the world in a way that creates safety for others as well. So this was just a little bit about my healing journey. Thank you for listening and for tuning in to today's episode. Please follow the show on Instagram at self with Amanda. Please subscribe, rate, review the podcast anywhere you are watching or listening. I release episodes every Thursday and I will see you next week. Bye.